You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 244. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You've reached another Local Maximum. I am surprised at how many people say that they catch every single episode of Local Maximum. I really appreciate it. But obviously, we have a wide range of topics and you are free to skip any of the episodes that uh, you are not interested in. Except for today. If you're thinking about skipping this one, do not skip it. Even if you think you don't care about the job search topic, I thought I didn't care about the job search topic. I was wrong. Today's guest is Phil Terry, and he's going to tell us about uh, the findings uh, and, and, and the book that he has uh, on Phil.org, and it's like nothing you've ever uh, heard before. All right, now who is Phil Terry? I've been trying to get Phil on the podcast for multiple years, believe it or not. Phil, among many other things, works with entrepreneurs at the highest levels of business on customer experience. And his previous book right here is Customers Included. I really enjoyed it. It came at the intersection of design and product and uh, how to include your customers in the process uh, um, when you're when you're coming up with the, the 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 product and how to include your customers in the right way, and I've pulled examples from this for the local maximum uh, before over the years. So it turned out that um, Phil went on a, a multi-year mission to turn this uh, to, to 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 turn this work uh, towards. Uh, an individual uh, to an individual level to you. What are you spending your professional time on? In this case, your output is the product. And yet we just kind of give it away casually sometimes, you know, whoever offers us a job and that should not be. So after all of this research, Phil has a new book. It's just launched. It's called, ah, oh, I, I dropped it over here. Hold on. Let me get it. Got to go into the crawl space here. All right. Uh, <laughs> it's called Never Search Alone. It is hot off the press, and I don't have a physical copy with me because it's coming from the Amazon store soon. It just came out like a few days ago. Uh, it's called Never Search Alone. You could tell that uh, when you're talking to Phil, this is a person who has gone really deep and uh, who really thinks differently than most people. So this is a master class today, and I hope you all will check out uh, not just the book, but uh, all the rest of the materials as well. Phil Terry, you've reached the local maximum. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, I have been, I've actually been trying to get you on the show for, uh, for a really long time because, uh, you know, I, I, you know, we're here to talk about your latest book, but I actually first heard about you as, uh, as, a, as a product leader yourself when, when, when I was working at Foursquare and I read uh, uh, Customers Included. So my first question for you is just how did you become interested in customer experience? Why did you d decide to devote so much of your professional life to it? And uh, out of all of this, how did you decide to write a book on, on career? Sure. Briefly, uh, back, back in the early days of the web, I was on the startup team of the first company that Amazon eventually bought and really saw the power of customer experience, both negative and positive. And so uh, I then ended up uh, partnering with a friend and 
uh, building one of the first customer experience consultancies out there called Creative Good, which I was CEO of for 15 years. Uh, and so that was, you know, we were, we were at base camp and the, you know, 37 signals, Jason Fried and those guys were inspired by us and started their company. We were one of the first out there and it was a lot of fun. And it was absolutely crystal clear that, um, that most companies did not understand customer experience and the power of good product management and how that could drive business. I ended up popularizing conversion rate for e-commerce companies in the nineties. Yes. Retailers used to not understand that certainly not online. Um, and so did that for 15 years. It was a great experience along the way though, you know, I was, I, you know, I was always a conflicted consultant, right? Um, what I mean by that is that, you know, the consultant's job, you know, uh, you get to be there for a moment and help people. And, and we did organize it in a way that we had a big impact, but clearly what people needed, what leaders needed, e-commerce leaders and others in the early days of the web and then software and web 2.0 needed was a safe place to ask each other for help. And so along the way, I built the councils, which is the private leadership development community I run today and have run for 20 years, actually. I started that in 2002 while I was still running Creative Good in the consulting business. And, um, you know, so over 2000 leaders have gone through the councils um, including Jeff Glick, you know, his, which is how we met. Sure, yeah. Foursquare. So CEO of Foursquare. Uh, Jeff was a founding member. We had Amazon, Google, and Travelocity started it with me back in in '02. Um, and along the way, what happened, Max, is uh, is these leaders who were customer focused and often product leaders, CPOs, CTOs, CEOs, etc., uh, decided to leave their job or or in some cases lost their job or just wanted to think about next steps. So I ended up coaching thousands of leaders in their career development. And what I really came to see is that the this whole job search process is broken and had not been disrupted, you know, since, you know, it's literally done the same way it was done in 1970, except, you know, instead of opening a newspaper and looking at classified ads, people go to LinkedIn or Indeed. But the process, we've just simply digitized the, old analog process and we haven't changed it. And I, you know, it became clear it needed to be disrupted. And so this book, Never Search Alone, I believe does that. Wow. So that's a, that's, that's kind of a, a, a tall order. So it almost sounds like this is essentially the, the customer experience um, approach to, to job search. That's right. Uh, maybe if to state the obvious, but <laughs> you know, it is, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so the book is called Never Search Alone, A Job Seeker's Playbook. Uh, some advice that you give in the book is, um, as you say, it's contrarian in a sense that it goes against what people are usually recommended when they go through the job search or what people think that they should do. So yeah. can you give some examples of this, maybe examples of something that, 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 that people should do that they're not doing or, or things that people shouldn't do that they do do? And, and why, why did you take a, a different approach in, in those circumstances? There, there are three big examples that I'll share of the contrarian approach. And, I did, and I'll just to answer the last question first, why did I do it? Because I saw how much pain it caused people to do it the old way. And I ended up helping people do it a new way. And it really, really worked. Um, as I say in the book, you know, I, I've coached about 2,000 people in this over the last 25 years. Then six years ago when I started writing the book, I did 250 interviews. And then that was before I started writing. Then while I was writing, I had 250 people 
read the book and apply it in their search and give me feedback. So I collected 2,500 pieces of feedback that drove 400 major and minor drafts. This may be the most tested book of all time, Max. <laughs> um, and so, yes, I used, a, I used the product management lens, you know, in the actual writing of the book. It's iteratively tested. Um, and so what the three big ideas in the book are, number one, uh, never search alone. And that's based on the contrarian idea that, see, most people think the most important thing in the job search might be, you know, networking or interviewing. It might be negotiating. These things are really, really important. And I, and I discuss how to do them better in the book. But the most important thing you need to manage in the job search is your emotional balance. And people don't even think about that. Every person, and I'm talking about really qualified people, Max, that I've worked with, people that have you know, been CEOs of internet companies, sold them, great exits, gone on to do new you know, kinds of roles. Every single one of them is insecure and anxious in their next job search. And it turns out the best way to address that is to build a support group, what I call a job search council. Because it turns out if you bring people together who are insecure and anxious, just bringing them together converts that insecurity into hope, motivation, confidence, and accountability. It's really powerful. It's one of the greatest hacks of human psychology. So that's number one. Um, number two, most people, when they start the job search, they just start by networking and interviewing, right? They don't, don't form a job search council. And they certainly don't think about what I call candidate market fit, right, Matt? So we all know that product market fit drives business success. Well, candidate market fit drives career success, all right? And that's, you know, taking the time to do some research. You know, when you're in the job search, <laughs> you're the product that a company is buying. Your skills and experience, you know, are what companies are buying. So you need to figure out both what you want and what the market wants and what the intersection is between the two of those, including how the market sees you, right? So, you know, people are like, well, first you have to form a job search council and then go to candidate market fit. This is all before beginning the networking and, and interviewing part. And that's really, those two things are really contrarian. And then third, when you are interviewing, I tell people, yeah, whatever job description they have, write your own job, what I call job mission with OKRs. What do you believe this role is? What are the OKRs you're gonna be responsible for? Present that to the hiring manager. It'll blow them away. It'll also really importantly, it'll clarify alignment. Cause a lot of people, they'll take a job and think it's A, the hiring company thinks it's B and you don't figure that out until month three or whatever, right? And then everyone's unhappy. So here we're gonna get alignment now, but even in addition to that, importantly, it sets you up if you get the offer and it usually increases the odds you'll get one if you put this, together, then, and this is something that no one does, not only do I ask you to negotiate comp, I want you to use your job mission with OKRs to negotiate budget, resources, and support. In other, mm -hmm. words, in other words, what you'll need to succeed in this role. I call the four legs of the negotiation stool, comp, budget, resources, support. Again, people, some people negotiate comp, almost no one negotiates budget, resources, support but that's what you need to succeed. So those are three examples of, I think, you know, three big ideas in the book that carry most of the weight and that are also, you know, counterintuitive or contrarian. So I have, um, I have, a, I have a bunch of follow-up questions. Some of that was um, in retrospect obvious, but some of that is kind of like almost mind-blowing to think about because it's like, yeah. yeah, I've had jobs where it's like, 
great. You have, uh, they're paying a high salary and you get there and there's just no, <laughs> there's no support. There's no ability to succeed. Right. And uh, then, then it, it doesn't work out. So, right. I mean, let's, uh, let's start. I, I, I want to dig into these one at a time. Yeah, yeah. You can go next. My example, example of that, I have a great AB example of, of this. Okay. So two of my collaborative game council members were both, were both CPO CTOs, right? Chief product officers, chief technology officers. They both, within the span of six months, were offered new CPO CTO roles at uh, B2B SaaS companies. Okay. Number, you know, A, uh, figured out there was about $20 million in technical debt. I'm, I'm guessing that your listeners know the term technical debt. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So I said, okay, you've got to negotiate a check on day one. You got to tell the CEO and the private equity dominated board that you need a check for $20 million on day one to go retire that tech debt or, or you, you know, this is, you, you're going to be dead in the water. So he said, okay. So he negotiated it. And on day one, they wrote a check six months in, you know, it's retired, so to speak, the systems are updated. And now you can start to do new product development and innovation six months after that. So 12 months after day one, uh, things are going so well, they give him a new division to run. So P and L responsibility, including in addition to the, the P, uh, product and technology work, and then 18 months in, they start to interview him for the CEO role, right? So this goes really, really well. Same time, another member, also a CPO slash CTO, interviewing with a B2B SaaS, private equity owned company. I mean, it's, it's about as close an AB test as you can imagine. He identified about 10 million in tech debt, okay? Obviously, depending on the role that you're looking for, technical debt may not be the issue that it is though, if you're, if you're a CPO, CTO. And I said, you've got to negotiate that, you know? And so he goes to the CEO, says, look, I think there's, and this is a guy who's done it for 15 years. Yeah. So, you know, he knows what he's talking I, about. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you, when you negotiate that, you need to know that you can do something good with that 20 million, you know, right. otherwise. Yeah, so like if you're, you know, if you're an individual contributor, not you're not negotiating technical debt, but you may be negotiating training, support, other kinds of things. Right. Anyway, he goes to the CEO and says, $10 million, I think is what I'm going to need. And the CEO says, well, let's talk about it once you get here. So he comes back to me and I say, no, no, you gotta, you got to tell him you need that commitment or, you know, really it's, you're going to be frozen. It's not going to be worth it. So he, he decides to go ahead. Nonetheless, day one, no check. Month three, no check. Month six, no check. Month 12, no check. You know, and, and finally he's like, gives up and goes and looks for another job. Now he's going to get another job because this guy is experienced, right? But He's now a good, you know, year to year and a half behind where he could have been versus, you know, person number A. And that's the point is that we don't have a limited, unlimited time in our careers. And so we want to be set up to succeed because it changes the trajectory of what's possible for us over time. Is that a helpful example? It's a very helpful example. But one of the things that, that I'd like to know is for people who are, let's say, applying to like... Um, most of the people who are applying for jobs are not able to negotiate directly with the CEO. And, you know, for example, maybe with a startup, you have some flexibility, but sometimes you have like, uh, you're, you're applying for, uh, you know, in, into a large corporation and they really have their ways set. Like, are there any, um, sure. are there any, you know, any things that you can apply for, for those situations? Absolutely. Everything, you know, I have helped college students negotiate for what they need in their first job. Now they're not going to negotiate much around budget. 
or even resources, but this one college student was really interested in healthcare tech, took a consulting job at a boutique rather than a McKinsey, which was focused in healthcare. So we talked about like how many, uh, how much training was she gonna get? What kind of access was she gonna have to her boss for one-on-one -on -one conversations around learning and development? Was there gonna be a learning development budget? These kinds of things, right? So, you know, if you're an IC, an individual contributor in product, you know, what, you know, what, what tools, uh, you know, are they going to make available to you? What tools are you going to need as an IC to succeed if you, if, if, if you've done product before, or if you're a director of product, you know, and you know, you're, you know, are you going to, is there a team built already or do you need to hire people? Um, if there's people there already, what's your sense of their, you, you're going to have a good sense of their skill level. Do you need to send them to Marty Kagan's, you know, product management bootcamp, right? So you might say, listen, I want, you know, uh, to make sure we're on the same page here, I'm going to want to spend about $2,000 for each of these ICs to get some training in the, in year one. Is that, are we on the same page with that, right? Um, you know, uh, it, it, you know, in another case, you know, am I going to have dedicated HR or external recruiting resources so I can fill these four job openings right away, right? So it's, the budget, the resources, support you need in that context. And if you write out a job mission with OKRs, the OKRs clarify for you and really help drive that thinking. And in fact, I, you know, I provide a bunch of free tools that come along with the book, including a bunch of examples of job missions with OKRs and budget resources and support that people ask for at different levels, Max, to make this absolutely clear for people. So one of the things that you mentioned before, uh, you know, a lot of these things, nailing the interview, negotiating, like this is stuff yeah. that, you know, uh, th I would expect to be in, in, in a book like this. But you start out with like the job search council, and that's something that I had never heard of before. Yeah. Uh, so, so what is it? Maybe give us a little flavor of what you'll get in the book for, for, sure. for, for what yeah, that no is. One's ever I like to bring, I like to yeah. bring people together. So it looks, sounds like an opportunity for that. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. what is it? So again, it's this, this concept that, you know, if you bring people who are doing a similar activity or facing a similar challenge together, uh, then they can really help each other and hold each other to, you know, to accountability. And, you know, I really credit, I, I credit, frankly, AA for, for this, because back in the 1930s, nearly 100 years ago, they realized that the most the only way to solve this intractable problem called alcoholism is to bring alcoholics together to help each other. And then, you know, the, the success at AA let, spawned many, many things. You know, my mom started her first council for elementary school teachers in, the 19, in 1960 in Los Angeles. I then created councils when I was in college and business school for internet CEOs with McKinsey. And then I started the program I ran, started in 2002. But now there's lots of things out there like lean in circles and various things, right, that that show the power of bringing people together who are facing similar challenges or trying to do similar things. And that's just it's just that applied to the job search. Uh, we're, we're all lonely in the job search and facing this market by ourselves. And it can really you know, amplify insecurity and really draw away uh, our confidence, which is so important in the job search. So I tell people in the book, I, I give them the reason it's important. I, I walk through the theory a little bit, but not too much um, because everyone who's looking for a job, you know, they want to get right to it. And then I show people how to actually recruit and run a job search council. I provide uh, agendas for the first 10 meetings. And I also actually 
uh, provide a free matching service. So for readers of the book and people who are listening to your podcast, um, they can go to my book website, which is philterry.com, P-H-Y-L. It's Phil with Y-P-H-Y-L, Terry, T-E-R-R-Y.com. And uh, they can sign up for a job searching, a job search council matching service. It's part of the free tools package and we'll help match them to other job seekers that they can then form this job search council with. And then again, they have all the agendas and all the format and everything comes in the book and with the free tools we provide. It seems like, yeah, no, it was, it seems like, um, first of all, it seems like it would almost be interesting to join someone else's job search council, uh, you know, to try to see, you know, what problems other people are facing. And, uh, yeah, I, I almost, I, you know, I had a tech retreat from this, uh, this podcast, like a little, uh, a little brainstorming that I do every year that seems almost similar to this in another context. So yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely a good idea. We, 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 we get a lot out of it. Um, yeah. at, at, at one We're point, a social species, Max. Yeah. Social species. Well, it's something that, that, I mean, I feel personally that like, um, I, I've been kind of knocked off my perch since since COVID, since we all had to start working from home and since no one yeah. was in the office. And I didn't particularly love being in the office five days a week, but I sort of, um, okay. I, I, now that the, the, uh, the, 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 I have way too much solo work right now and it's, it's driving yeah. me a little bit, a little bit nuts. Uh, well, you know, I reckon one thing you could do, Max, <laughs> yeah. and this is my next book, not this book, Never Search Alone, but the book after that, Never Lead Alone, is going to be about um, career councils meaning bringing people together who are doing similar jobs. And I, I'd recommend that you, you know, go find two or three other. Are you an independent consultant at this point, Max? Is that what, what's happening? I am. Uh, I'm open to my, I'm currently uh, exploring personal projects uh, while I, I wait for my next thing. So, yeah. Well, so maybe with people who are in similar, if you know two or three others in that sort of more or less similar phase, just come together. Yeah. Once, once every two weeks or once a month to just talk about how you're doing, what are you working on, and ask for help and ask each yeah. other for help. Uh, that, that's one of the key things I talk about in the book. We all need a context to ask for help openly and without you know, trying to look good. And a job search council allows job seekers to ask each other for help in the process and moralize each other, keep each other accountable, and, and so mm. forth. Hmm. Very cool, very cool. Uh, so... Um... One thing, this might be a small thing in the book, but it, it, it popped out at me. Maybe it's because I fell into this rut uh, at some point. Um, yeah. I saw you warning to avoid the, uh, the rebounds job, yeah. which is like a rebound relationship. Uh, and I thought that was an interesting analogy. Uh, what mistakes do people specifically make to, to find themselves in, in, in that kind of a situation where they had a job for a long time, it didn't work out, and now, and now they find themselves... They were like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to get another job. And then they find that the, the next one also doesn't work out, which could be very demoralizing. Yeah. And sometimes they get stuck in a loop where they do that two, three, four, five times. And mm. it, can get, it can really lead to a downward spiral. Um, so that I've seen several flavors of this, right? So if you're still working in a job, but you're unhappy with it, you know, sometimes people do this out of revenge, you know, get back at their boss. Well, I'll show you, I'm going to get another job. And they get the first thing that comes along and they jump from the proverbial frying pan into that proverbial fire. You know, yeah. it's worse or not, not better anyway. Or they're, they leave a job or, or they lose one. And, you know, when you're laid off, uh, you know, it's always very emotionally challenging. And, and so even if you have money, I've coached so many people with 
with a lot of savings, by the way, they could afford to, to like slow down for a moment and really think about what they want, but they still feel anxiety to get something quickly and they'll just go grab something. And of course it's, it's generally not good. They haven't done the work. They don't have the support group. They don't, they don't know their candidate market fit and they just, you know, and, and they just take it and they often don't negotiate for what they'll need to succeed. Right. Um, so it is, it is, it's, it's really common and it's, it's something to look out for. Okay. Yeah. So, um, one of the things we keep coming back to is like the, the emotional toll yeah. of the job search. One of the things that I find interesting to think about is how you say like it affects, it affects people at every single level from, you know, someone just finding the internship to someone who's uh, applying for, you know, the, the, the highest level executive roles or, or, or board yeah. positions or, or, or whatever that is. So like, it. I mean, what I have written here for before talking to you is how do you come to that conclusion? I think I think we, we we got that in terms of how do you of of you talking to all these people. But how, like, it seems like this one issue gets in the way so much. What are some of the strategies that that you've come up with to dealing with this? Obviously, there's the the job search council. Um, yeah. Is there anything else? Uh, is there anything else that that? Yeah, that I mean, the job search council carries most of the weight there. It's really really important. Hmm. But okay, then so that's so the second step in the book, which is the, to fig, figuring out your candidate market fit. And, you know, again, this is really counterintuitive to people. They, they just don't even think of it thus. But once you explain it, they're like, oh, my God. And by the way, I had been sort of describing this for years with people. And it was but it wasn't until two years ago, four years into writing the book, when I woke up one morning at like 5 a.m. You know how you have that inside it. You're just between sleep and awake. And I realized this is candidate market fit. That's what we're talking about. And so going out and doing the research to see, but you know, to figure out both what you want in it and what the market wants and how the market sees you and what your realistic candidate market fit is, is really important because, you know, people often sit like, for example, we had a, I had a longtime member who was a, he ran digital for a large traditional media company. And he got tired of it, you know, fighting these old fights around investing in digital investing and streaming and decided he wanted to go work in Silicon Valley. He left and uh, it was pretty tough because his candidate market fit for uh, a Silicon Valley firm was not going to be coming in at a senior level. You know, they just didn't see him that way. You know, he had been senior, but if he wanted to get another senior level job, he was going to have to go to another traditional media company. He eventually realized like, you know, he wanted to, he, so he got a job at one of the best companies in Silicon Valley in the heart of their streaming business, but he took an IC role because that was his candidate market fit for that kind of company at that point in his career. But I also said to him, look, you do this for a couple of years, then you can get a really different kind of job. You've got all your years of senior level experience in traditional media. Now you're at the heart of a top streaming company, even as an IC. You can write your ticket. And he did. It took him a couple of years, but then he wrote his ticket after that. Right. And so I find that people, um, you know, this, this is one thing I look, I, I want to help you reach your dreams. Um, but it's sometimes going to take a couple of steps. Right. And sometimes, and people sometimes have a hard time hearing it, which is again, why you need a job search council, which where others can like assure you, you know, this is not an indictment of you. This is just the reality of the marketplace. What practically is possible right now, given both who you are and your experience and what 
where the market's at. Does that make sense? It, it does. Uh, so uh, is there a way to kind of think, okay, uh, you know, I feel like I have more skills than maybe the market sees me right now. Is the way? Is there a way to set myself up for five, ten years down the road to maybe That's take right. that big position? And right. uh, um, yeah, and I think that the the other side is the 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 candidate market fit. Like, what does the market need? Like, how do you, uh, other than reading job descriptions, which you know are not very accurate, like how do you like? Have you found ways? Yeah, I think you could answer the, uh, ask the rest of the question. But have you found ways to kind of figure yeah. that out? That that read between the lines. I have people do it. I have people do discovery work. Right. It's, it's again. It's you're the in the in the job search. You are the product, if you will, or to say it in a more humane way, your skills and experience are the products. You're a human being, so you're not a product. But your skills and experience are the product. So you need to go and do a discovery tour on how the market sees that product that you have, your skills and experience, and what's possible. And so I lay out several different things. Uh, I call them reverse exit interviews, where you talk to people you've previously worked with, um, get their point of view on what they think you're, you know, a good fit for. I have you talk to um, uh, people in your network and outside your network and ask what I call the golden question, which is, hey, how would what what would you do if you were in my shoes? What do you think I, you would go after? And then I actually have you re interview recruiters. You know, people often approach recruiters, hey, get me this job, and they get frustrated if they don't see you for that or they don't do it. This is different. I'm saying ask a recruiter for their advice, their expertise. And I, I tell you three questions, three very simple questions. What job do you think I could get tomorrow? No sweat. What do you think I could get? Maybe it's a bit of a stretch, maybe a little more sweat. And what's outside? the realm of possibility, what's outside the ballpark for me, from your point of view, right? And and that's where, you know, you can get some great input. Uh, but there is a catch. From the from the recruiters themselves from the recruiters, or from the can Yeah. From the recruiters. Recruit, and recruiters have a great, you know, off a good recruiter has a really good sense of the market, right? Mm. And you really want that. Uh, but recruiters won't talk to just anybody. So for your listeners who are still in jobs, my very strong advice is take every recruiting call you get, especially if you don't want the job, because and then help that recruiter, introduce them to someone in your network, keep in touch with them, because when you are looking for a job next time, I want you to then ask that recruiter to do this interview with you and give you some expertise. And if you've built that relationship, they'll do it. If you haven't, it's hard to get them on the phone. So again, with the Job Search Council, I say, you know, if you can't get a direct line to a recruiter, ask one of your fellow members if they have one or someone in your broader network. And so you do these three kinds of interviews, kinds of discovery exercises to get at how the market sees you. And you do a different exercise to think about what you want. I call it the Manukin two-pager. And you also get feedback from people who know you. Do you think this is what I want? Because one of the things we know is that we don't always know what we want. And sometimes we're bad at understanding ourselves, right? Um, so th this is a, a process of understanding both what you want and, and what the market wants. Yeah, th this is fascinating. I think more people need to need to think about this stuff. And um, I'm certainly... Of candidate. Let me give you an example of candidate yeah. market that might really drive this home. So we had a member, okay, so another senior leader, because a lot of my... A lot of my members are senior leaders, although we do have a new program, I'll say, for young women and people of color in early career in product and UX. You know, so ICs and first time managers. Uh, very excited. It's going really well. But uh, this woman had been a chief data officer at a large company. 
She left, she wanted to go get a CTO role, spent a year looking uh, old fashioned way, lots of interviews, no offers, demoralized, really like really having a hard time. She came to me, I said, okay, job search council, let's get you set up. She did, that immediately helped. And then let's do a discovery tour. Let's figure out your candidate market fit. And she got some great feedback. And then she had a great interview with a recruiter and she asked the recruiter those three questions. What am I fit for? What, you know? And the recruiter said, for a classic CTO role, you're out of the ballpark. I would never think of you, which is exactly what she had been experiencing. But he said, but there's a new trend where some companies are hiring CTOs with a data science background. And for that, you are unbelievable. You're a perfect fit. And mm -hmm. just bam, that was her candidate market fit. And she updated her LinkedIn and resume to reflect that. And within three weeks had three offers, three offers uh, that she then negotiated with. A year the old fashioned way. Now this was, this is best case. Not everyone gets three weeks, three offers, but you know, clarity around what you're looking for uh, makes a huge difference because not only, you know, and, 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 and by the way, this goes against the wisdom that some people have, which is I'll just, you know, I can do a lot of things. So let's see what they're interested in, which is bad idea. Focus, put yourself in a box. I say, that's not only important for you and the hiring company, but it's important for your network. If your network knows Max, Max is looking for a, you know, I don't know, make this a head of AI. I don't know what it is you might do next um machine learning manager or whatever i don't know what it is um at a mid-sized you know tech company then anytime they hear anything that sounds like that boom they're like max you got to do this if you're like well i could do product i could do technology maybe a little ai I could maybe engineer they're not, no one's ever going to think of you hmm. uh, because there's too many different they don't they, they they don't know the box you fit in you yeah. got to give your network a your network a box. Set up listening posts is what I say in the book with a clarity. Around so you don't right because you don't want to box yourself in until you've done the work to figure out. What don't that box is. yourself in. Yeah. During the right. during the discovery phase, it's open. It's you're, you're right. in the liminal place of becoming. You're open to what's possible, but then based on that research, make a decision and box yourself in for this moment in time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not five years from now, necessarily. Right. Right. Sure. Sure. You could always rebrand on. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take long to send out a few emails, rebrand on on LinkedIn. It might take you know a little yeah. a little while for it to sink in, but right. yeah. Um. But but I it's I mean, those are like marketing principles applied to the individual. It sounds like. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Yeah. So. Um. Oh wait. Th there was one more thing. It's not. It's not coming to mind. There was one more thing you mentioned that I, I uh, well, anyway, um, <laughs> I, um, I, I, without giving away too much, I, I really want to get a copy of this book, a physical copy of this book when it comes out, which I, it will be out by the time this, uh, and the our listeners here. is up on Amazon now. Yeah. So I, okay. Actually, when this comes out, it'll be up fully. Yeah. Okay, so so where can listeners get this book? And are there any other thoughts about? I feel like we've sold it. I feel I'm I'm ready to I'm ready yeah, to have yeah, a look. Right. But but are any other thoughts about uh, uh, sure. why people need this book? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know they, they you know they they need this book because they should they shouldn't search alone, obviously. But they and they need this book because there are opportunity costs to searching in the old way. You know, I think most of your listeners are going to find a job and, and, you know, but the question is, is it, is it the best job they can get right now 
where they're set up to really succeed and change the trajectory of their career. I think we all know people, like we all probably know pairs of people who broadly have similar skills and are smart. And one is like, you know, the SVP of product at Google, and the other is still a director, you know, at various startups, right? And what, what was the difference between those two? Often it was luck. What I'm hoping to do is reduce the role of luck a little bit here and inc increase the odds that you can achieve what you want to achieve in your career over the long run, you know? Uh, and, and I've just seen like, wow, if, if people ask for the things they'll need to succeed, if they figure out their candidate market fits, so they can figure out where they're going, if they can get support along the way, keep their confidence levels up and be accountable and not do this by themselves and get all crazy the way we all get crazy by ourselves thinking we don't, you know, we don't fit or, you know, it's not for us or whatever it might be. Um, it can make a big, big difference. And, you know, people can have what, and have what they want for their families and themselves and their lives. And, you know, I think it's, it's really worth doing. And Marty Kagan wrote a, a wonderful forward where he basically says that, you know, that, that he wants people to have their, see their dreams come true in terms of their work. And, and he thinks this, this book can really help them achieve that. And that, you know, that's my goal, you know, maybe Very a little cool. bit more happiness in the world. And, you know, and along the way, if you learn how to ask for help better, which I'm sort of what I'm telling you to do in the job search, and then you do that on the job, it'll, it'll transform things for you in all kinds of ways, including that when you ask for help, like if I ask you for help masks, uh, you, you know, on something you can help me with, and uh, you, it often brings you joy to give help, right? You know, this, uh, people who are, accomplished, smart, asking you for something you can give them a little support or help or advice on uh, can make a can make a difference for you. So asking for help can be transformative, bring a little more happiness to everyone in the world. And I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, you know, I'm, it's been a pleasure talking to you today, Phil. I, I, um, I'm looking forward to not just publishing this, but also like reaching out to specific people who I want to listen to this, uh, uh -huh. whether uh, there's a few specific people I have in mind, right. both people who are looking for jobs and also people who just like to help other people. And I feel like this one is, with careers or, or with personal stuff yeah. or whatever, like I, like I know a few people like that, they, they would love this. So uh, thank you so much for Can coming I on the show. Can I say one more thing, Max? Is that Yes, they, absolutely. They and your website. Yeah, go to my book website, philterry.com, P-H-Y-L, Phil with a Y, P-H-Y-L, one L, philterry.com. Um, there are links to, you know, Amazon and other places you can buy the book. There's also free tools on there. I have a whole bunch of tools that come with the book, and I make them available online uh, for people, including, you know, if they want us to help match them with other people uh, to form a job search council. And I'll also be doing a, an open house every two weeks on Zoom for job seekers through the fall and further if there's demand, if people want to just come in and ask questions and get help as, as they look. Um, so I invite you and your listeners, and certainly for you, Max, personally, if, if you ever want a conversation one-on-one, -on -one, I'm obviously happy to do that with you as, as you think about your own career and where you want to go next. Yeah, I'd definitely be interested. Uh, and all of these links will be available on the show notes page, um, which I will uh, announce in yeah. just a minute. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for a great show. All right. Remember, that's phil.org, P-H-Y-L dot O-R-G. 
All the links to that and the show notes page will be available at localmaxradio.com slash 244. We won't stop here at the local maximum. Uh, there's more. We haven't stopped uh, for, for years and years. I have at least one author and one engineer in the pipeline. And next week, we'll continue probability distribution of the week. So exciting times. I love to head into this time of year. I love this time of year. Uh, have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.